If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 383 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Podcast. You know that by now. Um, a little bit of a different podcast today. I'm going to be joined uh, by Harry Powell here uh, to talk uh, about a couple of topics. We're not going to give you the normal um, fire recaps and stuff this week. Uh, I have been absolutely in bits with COVID for the, for the last week. Not too bad now, but just like very drained and very kind of sick. And I <laughs> I don't think I can stay up and watch both Bellator and the UFC. And uh, we were talking to a couple of lads over in the Patreon. They were like, take the weekend off, take the weekend off. But we said we'd pop on and have a bit of a chat. Um, we're going to discuss a little bit of Sean Abana. We're going to discuss a little bit of Bo Nickel uh, and maybe something else after that as well in a shorter podcast uh, this week. So apologies for that. You're not getting your usual fire recaps and all of that, but... Um, Hopefully we'll have that during the week. It's just, uh, honestly, I don't think my voice could hold up for an hour, but, but also, uh, yeah, so we, we, I, I'm sure everyone will bear with us. We'll make good on it. We'll put up free podcasts from Patreon and stuff anyway, so uh, I appreciate uh, everyone's, um, you know, um, thoughts at this time. <laughs> but uh, I'm getting better now, to be honest, but just the with all the cough and all the voice is still uh, a bit at me. But anyway, uh, before we get into all of that, uh, we must tell you that this podcast is brought to you, uh, to you and to us by our friends over at Manscaped. And um, as everyone knows now at this stage, the uh, the football is back, not only over here with, uh, uh, you know, Man United and Man City and Liverpool now, but over in the States as well with the, uh, with the NFL. Uh, Mahomes is going to sling some beautiful balls all over the field. Uh, and your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling beautiful balls uh, as well. Football may be rough, but your ball care doesn't have to be with Manscaped. Join the six million men world wide who trust manscape by going to manscape.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma meet the best value bundle for manscapes pocket rockets the platinum package at quarterback the manscaped uh, lawnmower 4.0 it's a trimmer um, a wily vet who makes sure the unit is running smooth and scoring non-stop pr- proprietary skin safe technology the uh, lawnmower limits mistakes and protects the ball plus it's waterproof so the weather conditions are no issue a running back the weed whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming um, it is built to burst through all the right holes a hairless nostril just helps to keep a nose for the ends on it which was great for me this week I'll be honest with you and the offensive line 
combined in. We have the crop preserver and the crop reviver deodorant. I can't smell them at the moment, but I'm sure the, uh, they are great because I know them before. Uh, the Trent Williams and Corey Lindsay of Sack Protection, whoever they are, uh, standing strong to keep your boys fresh and clean throughout all four quarters. And then wide out, the cleanest duo in the league, the extra premium body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. Oh, God, I didn't even know they had that. That's great. I was getting some of Oh, do you know what? I actually have, I have the shampoo. In. Or, no, I have the body wash. I have the body wash. Um... Uh, with their rugged scent, they attract the boss, the ball, and the ladies in the crowd. Plus, these to leave your skin and scalps feeling more hydrated. That means uh, more players on the field and less water breaks. It at a tight end. You have manscaped anti chafing boxer briefs. The dedicated jewel pouch is going to increase ball handling and a cool, steady vibe thanks to their moisture wicking fabric. And on defense, as always, you have the anti uh, the the alum, aluminum or aluminium free ultra premium deodorant with refined cologne quality fragrance to keep sweat and locker room scents from making any ground plus it's dryer so the opponent won't even know what hit them uh, to top it all off the best coach in the league the shed travel bag a free bonus built to hold the team together this travel bag uh, is uh, the perfectly sized bag to, to uh uh you know fumble free resistant I don't know what I'm saying I don't know. I know what I'm saying. It's great. It's great. You know? I, I, I lost my... I was like, well, where are they going here? So built to hold the team together, this travel size bag has a fumble-resistant zipper. Okay, yeah, well, I just read it wrong. So that was my fault there. That was, that was my fault. Now, I, you know, sorry. I made a mistake. We're going to move on. But anyway... This has got to be a Super Bowl winning roster. Do you know what? This analogy has just gone on too far in this read, if I'm being honest. Just go over there to manscaped.com. Use the promo code Severe May and 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped for turning your player into an MVP. And that might have been a bit. All right, Harry. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Um, let's talk about Bo Nickel first. Because I find this a very, very interesting uh, conversation, to be honest. And I, I've kind of just sat back and looked at what people have been saying. And I really think, and you know, anyone who's listening to this who isn't on our Patreon, who hasn't listened to Speaker's Corner, might not uh, fully understand what I'm about to say here. But I'm sure the other people who do listen to it uh, would. And I think there's actually a free Speaker's Corner up here. If you scroll back in the, the feed here, you'll be able to find it. So I might get it. So what we do in Speaker's Corner is we talk an awful lot about, you know, we think about the sport and we talk about you know, what it takes to become like a top level fighter and how you do it and where you go and all of that. And we talk about specialization. We've done a podcast on that and everything like that. So my point here that I'm starting off with is on Bo Nickel. A lot of the conversation immediately has been that Bo Nickel with what, two or three fights in, one of which went about 20 seconds the other day against the guy who didn't really fight back. People think that this guy is going to be a UFC champion. I saw people saying, for first of all, that he would beat top 15 guys right now, but also people saying that he would beat Israel Adesanya right now. So, you know, I, I might be turning this into a bit, a bit of the speaker's corner when I, I'm taking your role here, Harry, but if we've learned anything about MMA over the last while, and apologies again for my fucking voice, it's that, like, it takes a loss to become good enough to be a UFC champion, even in the trash middleweight division. And 
are we throwing everything just up in the air by saying this one guy? Now, okay, we, we the elephant in the room here is that he's, a, what is it, a three-time folk-style um, NCAA champion, which is obviously a big advantage. But in MMA, completely unproven as of yet. Are we just throwing everything up in the air here, Harry, and just saying, look, this guy is going to be the champion straight away. This guy's ability to wrestle is just going to overtake everything else. And specialization, all of that doesn't matter. What is your what has been your thoughts on, on the whole Bo Nickel? There hasn't even been a debate, it feels like. It just feels like it's it's almost like a, a prophecy. He's like the prince who was promised or something like that. What's your thoughts been on that? I feel as though this is just as big of a highlight as we could ever imagine to need of that the UFC is in a very different era. And that's that twofold, right? One is that this is a highlight of how desperate the UFC are for stars, right? Bo Nickel comes in 2-0 before his last fight and contender series. Last 20 seconds shows us literally nothing um, I mean, in terms of the the competitive nature of his opponent, obviously he showed that he is a very, very good athlete. His transitions between positions was great. His decision-making was good. He didn't, you know, he didn't lull over certain positions. And when he had the chance, he locked up the triangle really beautifully. But the opponent didn't teach us anything about who he is as a fighter or, or what his limits are. But what this shows me really is that we are we have been for the longest time starved of A-list athletes. And what this shows me is that when we get an A-list athlete in MMA, and I mean a real top of the food chain athlete transitioning over to MMA. Now you can argue Brock Lesnar was one of those, but that was a little bit more of a freak show type thing. That was a, I've got lunch boxes for hands and I'm going to try and use them. Bo Nickel comes in as maybe the best athlete we've ever had. In, in MMA, if not up there, with, just for his raw athletic abilities, right? Not necessarily his skill set or whatever, but he was in, Spencer was explaining this to me, he was in the Big Ten athlete list, which is a, a combination of all the best schools in America. And then they, they rank the overall athletes, that's NHL, NBA, NFL, and then wrestling. And he came out on top. And that's supposedly a very, very rare accomplishment. Now that doesn't mean fucking anything to me, really. But according to Spencer, that, that's a big deal. What I think this shows us is that when we have an athlete like Bo Nickel come in, MMA goes, oh, fucking hell, he's amazing. He's, he's better than we've ever seen. He can move faster than we can see it. This is his big man. He chucks lads. He does this. He does that. He's the next Habib. He's going to absolutely destroy everyone. That's a problem. Because we can't say that until he's been in there with, a, let's say, a Brad Tavares. What does he do against Brad Tavares? What does he do against a, uh, an even a Paulo Costa or Robert Whittaker or any of these guys, a Darren Till? What does he do with these guys? What happens when he gets hit and really gets hit? What happens? We don't know. So the fundamentals are there of a man that looks good, talks well, and can do a little bit of the wrestling. But what happens when he, he faces real competition? I don't think we know that. We absolutely don't know that. And I feel like to bypass that with like this broad certainty is very foolhardy, like really foolhardy. Now, I don't like to be taken up and maybe I do this the odd time because I feel like I have to sometimes. I don't want to be the party pooper here. I don't want to be like pulling out the, uh, you know, the, the red canister and, and uh, you know, taking out the fire or anything like that. But 
and I hope that he and if he does become a champion, it won't be proving me wrong or anything like that. It'll just be proven that he has the ability to do the questions that we are posing here. But he hasn't answered those questions yet. It's not even like, you know, someone comes into the UFC, let's say they have 10 fights outside of the UFC or something like that, and people go, they're unproven. When they've, like, beaten a really good wrestler, or they've beaten a really good kickboxer, or they've grappled with a, a BJJ black belt and won a decision or knocked them out or whatever it might be, and then they said they're completely unproven. Well, they actually are proven in lots of different ways. Maybe they're not proven to you. Maybe you haven't seen how they're proven. Maybe not. they're not proven... In certain ways, this guy is like completely unproven altogether in mixed martial arts. And because he has one of those arts and is unbelievably elite, elite at what people would say was probably the most important art, you could argue, uh, the most important art for domination, I suppose, that doesn't mean that that will be enough. Like, look at Aaron Pico when he came in. I know Aaron Pico was at a different level. But look what happened to Aaron Pico when he came in, how many times he got knocked out. And look how good he is now. And this, you know, uh, maybe Aaron Pico will have got knocked out again by the time this podcast comes out. But look how good he is now. And, and I think a lot of that is because he put the hands together. And I was having a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a back and forth with one of my American friends the other day about this. And they were like, look at Henry Cejudo. Look how high level he got. But what happened to Henry Cejudo before he got to that level? He got beat a couple of times, you know? And he, he had to learn striking to become the best striker. Uh, fighter in the world that he was you know arguably for for a while there he you know was a, a, a two division champion and stuff it was right up there as one of the best fighters in the world and became a very good fighter but and, and he was an olympic gold medalist he met a higher level look at yoel romero an olympic silver medalist now it's not it's a different style of wrestling granted and as people point out it's more uh curtailed for mixed martial arts bo nichols style is but Yoel Romero wasn't able to become a middleweight champion in the UFC, and he reached a much higher level than Bo Nickel. What does that say, right? That says that wrestling is not the be-all and end-all. It is a massive help, and maybe Yoel Romero could have used it a little bit more, and we saw a bit of that in Ireland last week. But to immediately say someone is going to be the best in the world without showing all sides of MMA, or not even all sides of MMA, but the ability to use uh, their game to, um, you know, make the other sides of MMA not important, unless we, until we've seen that, it, there's no proof that he can do that. Like, if you if you think back in, in mixed martial arts in the modern era, you can forget about the old era. Like, if he went in in 1996 or in 2000, absolutely no problem. I would 100% say he'll be UFC champion. But if you look at a recent, like, who has been able to do it in, in, in that way? Look at Shemaev, how good his wrestling is. He wasn't able to do it against Gilbert Burns. His striking brought him a long way through that. His wrestling did absolutely help. But he wasn't able to do it. Habib Nurmagomedov was able to do it, right? But look at the way he did it. He did exactly what I said a minute ago. He made all the other parts of the game irrelevant because he could use his wrestling to get past them. He used to barrel through, barrel forward into people and take people down. Does Bonicle have the ability to do that against someone really good footwork and really good jab and all of that? He hasn't shown that yet. Habib had to go through with someone like Glesson Ibao and have a, a tough matchup against him and he had to, to fight you know, other people. And then Habib showed he has an ability to strike as well and he's a good jab and he almost knocked Conor McGregor out you know, with a big overhand right. Show things like, now Bonicle has shown he's a left hand um, and obviously, you know, his, his ability to wrestle and all that 
again, I'm not saying Bonicle is useless, or I'm not saying he won't be the best, but he just hasn't proven that yet. And I'm not saying that he won't prove it, or I'm not saying they will prove it. I'm just saying you have to prove it. And that's the conversation that I want to have here more than anything else, Harry, because, and, and to get back to the very first question I asked you, like, if we're saying a lad can just walk in off the street and be a, a world champion straight away, that doesn't really say much about MMA, does it? And I, uh, not, to, not to be like standing up for, sticking up for MMA here or anything, but I actually believe MMA is at a much higher level now than that, even in middleweight, even with someone like Adesanya, who I said is probably the most overrated fighter in the UFC at the moment. I still think MMA is at a higher level than just saying someone will be a champion straight away. What, what do you think? So I think that there is a <laughs> there is always a duality to this, right? On one hand, these things happen in MMA, right? And and when the cage door closes, literally anything can happen. We've seen mad things happen loads and loads and loads over the years. So to think that if we said Bonacle goes in and has no chance of beating Adesanya, we're wrong, right? Of course, something he could go in and he could find Adesanya's hips once in in one round and do it again in all five rounds and win a decision. Fine. Is that the likely possibility? No, no, I don't think so. We've seen Adesanya against grapplers. We've seen Adesanya against wrestlers and we've seen how he deals with them. I think to your point, I'm in full agreement that it's important for us to be the gatekeepers of the hype, right? To say to say, and you were right to say, we're not shitting on Bo Nickel. We're not saying that he's never going to be a champion. We're not saying he's never going to reach these levels. But if he goes in against a Brad Tavares and absolutely destroys him, or even a, you know, a Drickus Duplessis or, or somebody else goes in a really good litmus test, a good up and comer, you know, it seems to, it feels like it's devaluing the hierarchical nature that has been laid out, the blueprint that's been laid out in MMA for so long, you come in, you fight the 30 outside the top 15, you have a, you know, you see where that level is, you fight a middling wrestler, a middling striker, a bit of a grappler, you do all that stuff. If you look great, fantastic. Maybe we bump you, bump you up a little bit sooner. Then you get to the top 15, you fight the, the number 15 guy and you work your way up until you reach, as, uh, as Graham would say, the upper echelon of the division. Now, that's not to say that if you have an outstanding skill set and you're doing the things that Bo Nickel are doing to the level of guys that he's doing it to, that we may not push you up a little bit further. Maybe you jump immediately in against, as I've mentioned, a Brad Tavares. Maybe you jump in immediately with uh, a Jack Hermanson or somebody like that, and we see where that goes. But I don't think, as MMA fans, we should be so quick, and MMA media specifically, to jump on hype trains. Let's allow these fighters to prove it. Right. Let's allow these fighters to be who they are, work out their kinks. And look, if he goes in and looks amazing, you'll get on this podcast and you'll be like, this lad is the fucking bee's knees. Absolutely. And I'm super excited about him. And I can't wait to see him fight Adesanya or whoever's at the top of the precipice. But it's really important for the value of MMA and equally for the value of Bo Nickel. Right. What did he say immediately? He, he got his contract from Dana White Contender Series. And what did he say? He called out some WWE fella. Yeah. Oh, that was ridiculous. Yeah. Logan that Paul. to me is a man that once knows how to play the game and two is looking for time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's, do you know what I, I think is all right? I, I'm excited about Bonicle right now. You know, 
I'm, I'm really you know you said Absolutely. you know he won a few fights he's won a few fights and I'm excited we're going to talk about Shauna Bannon she's 3-0 as well you know and I'm excited about her now I've seen a lot of her amateur uh, endeavours as well obviously and things like that and she's uh, obviously a, bit, a little bit closer to home and all that not to say that's a reason or anything but I, I am excited about him but like we're, we're going to talk about Shauna Bannon in a minute or we're, we'll talk about anyone up and coming we're going to say they need to do this 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 and this over the next five years to get to this promotion to get to this ranking to get to the very top we talk about Bo Nickel and we're like he's already there <laughs> three fights in which is ridiculous and you said a minute ago like is there a world where he goes in and he beats Adesanya tomorrow yeah, absolutely like could Bo Nickel go in there and wrestle Adesanya for five rounds yeah, he could. He could. He's that high level of an athlete. He's that high level of a prospect coming up. Do I think it would happen? I don't. No, I, I, I believe in mixed martial arts and I believe you need to become a high level fighter to get to that uh, level. But is there a world where Bo Nickel goes in there against Puniele Soriano and gets knocked out? in two fights I think there is I really That's do cool. think there is do you know and he's fighting Jamie Pickett uh, in his uh, Jamie Pickett. do you think so what do you think yeah, of that yeah. matchup uh, so I think it's perfect matchmaking for from the UFC's perspective because Jamie Pickett and this is no disrespect to him whatsoever is a very up and down fighter he's very long but doesn't really quite know how to fight long is happy to have a barn burner, but isn't super active. He has to be drawn into these things. He doesn't, you know, he's not a great wrestler, but he, he can do a bit of takedowns and stop a bit of takedowns. His get up game is very average. Like he's a, he is a, a very easy step up, but he looks the part, right? He looks like an athlete. He has a great physique on him, always comes in shape, always comes ready to fight, but then gas is in the third. So, if Bo Nickel has to has to be dragged into the third, then we have some interesting questions. It's not a guy that really, really comes on strong in those latter rounds. So if Bo Nickel gets tired, well, Jamie Pickett's going to be tired too. He will, Jamie Pickett will allow Bo Nickel to work his hands, will allow him into the fight. He's not just going to blow him out of the water. I don't think these things happen in MMA. But to me, it's a nice styles matchup because Bo Nickel is going to be competitive. It's not a... Uh, Puniele Soriano who may just go in there walk over and be like that wrestling's really cool eat this fucking right hand and go on like Jamie Pickett is a very nice matchup for, for Bo Nickel I yeah. think and just looking as well he, he trains under John Salter which is probably you know our trains with John Salter probably a good guy to have to, to train for Bo Nickel if we're being honest a very good and, and heavy wrestler as well with the jiu-jitsu another question is asking is that jiu-jitsu like is the jiu-jitsu going to be good enough if he get, uh, let's say Andrea Muniz meets him somewhere down the road, is it going to be good enough to, you know, to work against someone like that? It's, it's it, all these questions have to be answered, and th- that's gone. How are you want to say something? So I just think if I'm Bo Nickel, right, I'm not even going to concern myself with that. Really, what I'm going to concern myself with, because I think the new meta of MMA, the new meta of MMA is what we saw Jelton Almeida use against whoever he fought last time. I can't remember, but it's control positions. It's pin positions leading to strikes. Then if the strikes are failing or the strikes are overwhelmingly working and a submission is given up, then you take the submission. I feel like that should be the meta for Bo Nickel. And it'll be interesting if he adopts it for Andre Moniz, like he's, he's picked this poison right? But I feel as though if I'm Bo Nickel and I'm a fresh face, fresh fighter, I want to be looking to adopt and accelerate the new meta rather than anything else. Yeah, 100%. I, I, it's very interesting. It'd be interesting to see 
what he turns into. You know, whether... And you know what? I would love if he would turn... I, I would love if he would turn into a dominant wrestler. You know, who gets the head and arm chokes. Who, you know, who gets mounted positions and gets TKOs. We don't have many of them. And I love those sort of... You know, Habib even was, was kind of one of them. But... Uh, uh, you know, there is a tendency nowadays as well to become a well-rounded fighter. And I'm not saying no, Bonnickel shouldn't become a well-rounded fighter. But, like, his metagame, I would love it to be that. You know, a modern-day Tito Ortiz or something like that. Do you, you get me? I would love that. And, uh, you know, that has to be developed. And all we're saying here, and I hope no one thinks we're being that negative or anything here, you have to learn that. You have to put that together. You have to put that game together to be able to get to the very highest level, to be able to dominate. Because along the way, you will find someone, you know, you will find someone who will be a very, very good wrestler who you'll, you'll struggle to take down, and then you're going to have to strike with him, you know? And, uh, and that's where the problems lie. Go on. Just before, just before we close that out, I think mm. I'll just give my personal opinion on, on where I see the trajectory. Like, watching him just move, just watching his body move, it is quite clear that he's learning and learning quickly. Yeah. And if you forget what he says, if you watch the progression between 0-0 and 3-0, it is quite clear that he's putting the hours in and he's listening to coaches and he's picking things up. Because as you said, I feel as though, and we've talked about this on the Speaker's Corner, um, is, the, is the duality between being a generalist and being a specialist. When you have such, if, if you think about the UFC full game, let's say, and you're building a fighter and you have a certain amount of XP points to put into certain categories, Bo Nichols spent 95% of his XP points on wrestling, right? So the question is, do I knock down some of those points to put some into striking and cardio and strength and conditioning and footwork and whatever? Or do I just double down and do the specialism thing exactly like you're talking about? And I feel as though in middleweight specifically, having a very grapple heavy wrestle heavy pick top heavy Correct. dominant pin is a fucking way to be a yeah. star in there. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't, but having said that as well, like he's fainting game and he's, his game on top. It looks, uh, not his game on top, his game standing up looks very good. It looks like it, 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 you know, it looks like it's someone who is, as you said, taken to the game very, very quickly. And I, you know, he has to take to the game, <laughs> you know. That that's the I think that's the the key here, and that's the question here. But uh, yeah, I just just wanted to have that quick conversation because a lot of people it felt like bypassed that conversation this week, and that's that's not a good thing to have, you know. That's not that's not a good thing to have. But anyway, we will uh, we will move on for that. And I'm you know as I said. I'm excited. I hope that kind of come across. I'm excited to see where he goes next. I think that Jamie Pickett fight is good matchmaking. Someone like a Siriano over the next, you know, three or four fights, I think would be good matchmaking. And we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, let's talk about Shauna Bannon, another very exciting prospect. She went over to Invicta and uh, she had her, her debut outing there um, against uh, Nadia Vera. Um, I, I would say a very well-rounded performance from Sean Abana. Let me run quickly through the fight for people who haven't seen it. Um, she landed some lovely strikes in the start of the first round, uh, but she ended up on the bottom. Vieira was kind of controlling on top for a while, landed a bit of ground upon, but um, Bannon ended with a full-on triangle. I think her strikes early in the round and the triangle late were enough to win it, but a close round. Second round uh, was relatively close on the feed, Bannon ahead. Uh, she got a big throw 
ended up getting a triangle again and that landed some lovely elbows late. I think she definitely won that round. And in the third then, Vera hurt Bannon with a beautiful, I, I think it was two jabs in the right hand after it. Lots of clinching in, which was smart from Bannon because I think she was definitely hurt there. She ended up on bottom again. She attacked with an armbar, landed some shots from there. And when they got up late, Bannon landed a load of shots and really hurt her. Took that round. I had it all three rounds for Bannon as the two of the judges. Uh, and one of the judges had it, uh, 29, 28, but all of them had it uh, for Shauna Bannon. And I look at that, Harry, and uh, you, you know, you might say, you look at, the, look at that fight and she ended up on the bottom in three uh, rounds in a row. Now, some of that was initiated by herself as well, but I love the fact that in all three of the times she ended up on bottom, she ended up getting her opponent in the submission. She was active from the bottom, active in her guard, and even if you don't get the submission or whatever, she ended up getting up and landing loads of strikes after one of them. Her cardio looked good. F- 15 minutes in the books again, it was a learning fight. You know, we talked about Bonnickle. He only got 40 seconds or whatever the last time. We talked about all he's striking, he's fainting all. He didn't have much time to show that. Sean Bannon and this got all of that time and got the ability to show all of that. I, I love the fact as well, you know, she's obviously a very good striker, but we have seen... You know, she was doing grappling matches, and I, I think she submitted Danny McCormick recently, or she, she beat her anyway in, in a grappling match. And we know how good Danny is as a grappler, you know, as well as, well as being a, a very good kickboxer and an MMA fighter. So that would tell you that Shauna is not only, you know, uh, concentrating on the boxing, concentrating on the, the kickboxing and the karate and all of that, she's also concentrating a lot in the ground game. And it showed, I think, in this fight. I know you've watched a bit of her as an amateur in her pro fights as well. How big of a prospect do you think she is? Like, I, I had my... Do you know, I had my doubts in a little bit, but if you didn't have your doubts, you'd be, you know, you'd be a fanatic, you know, about a fight or two fights in. But she has all of that, those abilities I just talked about. And do you know what she also has? She has an athleticism. She moves very, very well, and she's very limber and hits hard as well. And that's unusual to have. Now, obviously, like Bonica, a long way to go, a lot of things to learn. Will, you know, Will she be able to get it done in, in Paddy Hoolan's camp, which is obviously a very new camp, and he's never t- taken a fighter to that level before. And I know she trains a bit with Molly McCann, and she goes to different places, and all of that is very, very good. Will she be able to you know, put in all the time? Will she be able to, to get to that level? Will she be able to keep winning? Will she be able to get to the UFC? And all of that. All those questions have to be answered. But if you're looking at her at the moment, what, what kind of a prospect uh, do you think Sean Bannon is? A big one, for sure. I mean, look... When you see someone with a style like Sean O'Bannon is coming from, the fear is that it's going to be James Muntazri 2.0, right? Where if it stays on the feet and he's able to dictate the range, he's deadly, brutal, really flashy, beautiful kicks. And we've seen Sean do all of that, right? But the, obviously the downside of James Muntazri was that as soon as somebody got to his hips, that was it. The round was over. He wasn't able to get up. So already, what you what you've talked about from from the fight in Invicta is that she's using those bottom positions to her advantage, looking to either create space and get up, or use submissions as a method to either score significant points or score significant damage. Right. The thing that I think, I mean, obviously, the elephant in the room is Sean O'Bannon doesn't want to be on the bottom. She'd prefer to either be on the top or standing. That's fine. That's with three and oh there's lots and lots of time to to work those kinks out. And specifically, if she's initiating grappling clinches and grappling exchanges and looking for throws and looking for trips, then there are going to be moments of mistake, 
And that's perfect. But I think that what we were talking about, both Ian and yourself, previously when we said that Invicta is the perfect place for Shauna Bannon, we were proved right in this fight. She got 15 minutes against a competitive opponent, somebody that deserved to be in there with her, that showed her the grit and determination that she has in her own self. She she mentioned on Instagram that she had to dig deep in that final round, and we saw that. I think that's a brilliant question to answer. We know already in the locker it's there. That's fine. We know she has an ability to attack from the bottom with somebody that wants to keep her on the bottom. We know she has the ability to get up against somebody that wants to keep her on the bottom. And equally, as you've said, we know that she can now hurt and rock somebody late into the third round when she's been hurt herself. And she, we know that she can cruise through through rounds when she's when she's on top and dominant. It, I mean, if anything, that was a perfect fight for Shauna Bannon. She comes away with some things to learn. She comes away with some things that she did really, really well. And she can go back with the teams that she's working with and move on now to, to look for 4-0. and I mean, if there is a, a better trajectory for Shauna Bannon, I don't see it. We've had a storied amateur career, struggle to get really competitive fights at amateur and, and initially at pro has now signed with Invicta who we know will match her accordingly. We know we'll fly her out. We'll know that she'll be given all the media fanfare that she deserves in a women's only promotion and in a promotion that's looking to promote women quite actively. And then the world's her oyster, right? It's a uh, yeah, great time to be Shauna Bannon. I think, the, you know, she called for a Dublin card as well afterwards. And uh, I, look, I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't think Invicta are at, that stage at the moment monetarily I suppose more than anything else um, and you know what that's not necessarily a bad thing I think it's a benefit for someone like Sean Bannon to be away from that glare I really do because MMA in Ireland at the moment is you know it's in a very interesting place because obviously being at Bellator last week uh, and you can hear Bellator last week in my voice right now because <laughs> I got the fucking run in there. Uh, it's tough for those fighters because they, uh, they're put in a position like, look at Kieran Clark right now. Like, Kieran Clark has six fights into his career and everyone knows everything about him. Like, they know he gets cracked and, you know, he used to come back and he does this and that. Look at Derek Kelly or like, oh, uh, we're expecting a better... Uh, you know, even I said it and I was thinking about it after. Jeez, I, maybe I was a bit harsh on Derek Kelly and he was very harsh on himself so maybe I don't feel as bad, you know, because I'm only agreeing with him. But like, this guy's two fights into his career and we're talking about all oh, we expect better from him. It's like, is that a good glare to be under? And, you know, with Sean Bannon she's going to get that from you know myself and you and Graham and the lads in the old triangle talking about the fights because we'll, we'll be watching it but there won't be 10,000 people there in a venue watching it and knowing every intricate bit of Shauna Bannon's game and you know that's a good thing and she has a it looks like she's a massive fan base as well lots of friends and she's big uh, like I'd say a big ticket seller in Ireland so if she ever does come back and let's say if she did sign with a Bellator or came back and the UFC was in Ireland or something like that I think she would be uh, a big star for them as well so I, I really think that's a benefit for, for her. And I know she talked to, to Ian on the, on the podcast about her options before she signed, and there was KSW and a few other places. And as you said there, it looks like Invicta is a good one because, you know, a lot of promotions, they talk about caring, but Invicta genuinely do care. You know, Julie Kedzie and Shannon Knapp, they've been around for a long time and ask anyone who's been with them or been, like, they really, really care about the fighters and they really try to do it the right way and try to get them to the place they want to get the, 
And it just feels like Sean O'Bannon is in that place right now and has the ability to do that. Like, it's a bit... Uh, like, if we park him back to the Bo Nickel one again, that's a bit tougher now because, like, he, as you said there, he's a guy who's maybe looking for a little bit more time to, to learn. Because, as, as you said, like, when he's trying all those fans and doing all those things, he's in the gym and he's knowing, right, I haven't that down yet. I haven't that down yet. I haven't that down yet. But give me six months and I'll have that down. Give me a year and I'll have that down. Give me two years and I'll have them all down together in the middle bits as well. But you have to get to two years in time before you have that, before you can put it out there in the fight. Will he be able to get that time in the UFC? Probably not. Let's be honest, especially if he keeps winning with his name and with the hype. Whereas Shauna, okay, she has a name and she has hype as well, but she's in a promotion where... You know, the name and the hype will probably take her to an Invicta title shot if she keeps winning over the next three or four fights and then to the levels in the UFC to go forward. So it's a slower road and, you know, a, a more, I suppose, a more uh, well-trodden road than the one Bo Nicholas currently being put into to get to the top level. What do you think of that as well? I, mean, I don't know if you've anything else to say about Shauna and if you do, absolutely tell me, but... We are, and you said it at the very, very start of this, and I was interested to, to, to hear the way you said it. Like, MMA is changing at the moment, isn't it? Because of the contender series and because of the fact that Bellator is signing up people early, the UFC are trying to do it now as well. And we're going to see more people who look good early in their careers flung into it. Like, when was the last time you saw that happen in the UFC before Shemaev? And now we've Shemaev and Bo Nickel both happening within the space of, what, 18 months or so? That's that's a thing. Okay, maybe there's two and it won't happen again for another ten years, but it feels like it will. Do you think it's going to be a more regular thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it feels as though the UFC are becoming more explicit in that the contender series is looking to hoover up the likes of CFFC and Cage Warriors and whatever, and that they see or Dana sees the contender series as the the route to entry the preferred route to entry to the ufc what he also sees it is it's it's a hierarchy right if you're you see guys compete more than once on dana white contender series fight bo nickel was given a developmental contract and told to come back and do a bit of training and come back and see if he looks and whatever i think that we are in an era of mma where we are in an arms race an arms race for talent and an arms race for skill. And if there is an iota of prospect about a fighter, they're going to be hoovered up by either a Bellator or a UFC. We saw Bellator do it with Aaron Pico and AJ McKee and all of these fighters where they invested in them as very, very young prospects. And now they've got two gargantuan fighters coming out of it. The one that we saw flung into the limelight before Bo Nickel and before Hamzat Shemaev was Israel Adesanya, right? But even he wasn't flung in that high. There was a lot of hype behind him, but his first fight was Rob Wilkinson, right? After that, we saw him take a couple of steps. Then it was the Brad Tavares. Then it was a wrestler. Then it was Michael Johnson. Then it was a this, that, and the next thing. And then it was a title shot, right? We And just to cut across it, we've Pereira now as well, don't we? So that's a third one. In this era of MMA... I think it stands the test of time to be the Sean O'Bannon. You know what it feels like a little bit to me? It feels like what you want is what Alex Ferguson used to do to the stars at United. He would shield them from the media. He would keep them away and he would just let them work, let them train, let them get better. And then when it came to it on a Champions League night, 
at Old Trafford under the lights, somebody would just burst out on the scene and everyone would be like, where the fuck did he come from? That to me is what you want to be if you're Sean O'Bannon. The yeah. people that will be with you will be with you regardless. Your name will slowly build. Your name will slowly build. But the the advice that Shawnee gave ages and ages ago is one that is going to stand the test of time. And that's that we want to see the best fighters fighting the best fighters when they are the best. There is no need for Sean O'Bannon to rush. There is no need for her to skip the line. The money will come. The fame will come. In the same way for Bo Nickel, that if he manages this successfully, he will have the same thing. But MMA is a cruel beast and no one makes it out alive. 100%. One person that always sticks out to me here as well is Chris Weidman. He was a guy that was 10 fights in, right? He, he fought Anderson Silva. And I remember I wrote an article about it at the time saying uh, it was too quick, right? And I, I was made to look foolish after that because he won the title and all of that. But like... Chris Weidman's reign didn't last long and his career is basically over now. Unfortunately, I know he got the broken leg and everything, but even before that, he was losing fights all over the place. Like, okay, I have two points on that. First point is he had a long wrestling career as well. And how much does that take out of your body? Looking even at someone like Bo Nickel, I know he dominated, but still all the preparation to do that, how much does that take out of your body? And I think there's different, uh, you know, combat sports take a lot more out of your body, I think, than other sports as well, physically. But also, like, when you are thrown in there too early, it almost stops, and, and you know, the best of the best it won't, but it almost stops development. You know, I think Chris Weidman could have developed into a massively better fighter if he had fought Anderson Silva two years after he did fight him. Rather than, right, I'm the champion now, just keep doing what I'm doing. I don't need to improve anymore. And I'm not necessarily saying Chris Weidman did that, but you get what I mean. Like, I I, I feel like the chase is almost, uh, you know, it's it's almost as important when you get there as getting there. Because... If you look at all, like lots of fighters, all the ones, look at Anderson Silva, who had like a prolonged reign. He had loads and loads of fights before he got there. You know, GSP had loads of fights, but he had losses. He had wins. He came back. He was able to do it again. And, and do you know what? That is a massive part of it. That's always why we always say it about McGregor. All the fighters coming up, they want to be the next Conor McGregor, they want to be the next Conor McGregor, they want to be the next Conor McGregor. But how many of them had the 16 fights outside of the UFC before they got there, whatever it was? How many of them are able to go and, and you know, lose to, to Savinsky or whatever his name is, lose to Joseph Duffy, you know, make a run outside, go, have five or six, seven Cage Warriors fights or whatever it is, fight for the title twice in Cage Warriors. And win. How many of them are putting that in there? How many of them putting that effort in there? And that's not just an effort to, to get there. That's an effort to get to the very, very, very top. Habib had 25 fights or whatever it was before he got to the top. It's not. It's a thing that happens all the time, and there are very rare examples where it where it doesn't. Like John Jones is probably the only one where it didn't happen, and it went unbelievably well. Like you even look at the Chris Wine one and others where it doesn't. It's. I think development is something we've talked about it many, many, many times in Speaker's Corner, and we will again. But it's something that is badly needed. And it's something which is massively underestimated, I think, with, with fans in mixed martial arts. But, um, yeah, it's it's very interesting, and we will uh, we will see uh, we will see, I suppose, how it goes for both Bo and Bannon over the the next few years. We leave it there. We're going to have more podcasts this week. Um, 
We will have I honest you know what I don't know what we'll have, but we will have some anyway. Hopefully I'll get caught up. I know Ian is gonna get caught up. I'm sure you'll get caught up, Harry, and we'll all jump on and we'll do something during the week and uh we will keep you all updated as well. And uh we will leave it there. Follow Harry over on Twitter at BJJ underscore Harry Powell. Um uh, follow at Severe Mepod over on Twitter and send your questions there. I don't think there will be a QA this week, unfortunately, but there will be something else. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast as well for loads of stuff. We have, uh, we have a speaker's corner coming up on Thursday, and I can't remember what it's about, but I know it's a good one. I know it's a good one, so check that out uh, for Harry. I am Sean Sheehan, and that was a Severe May Podcast, lads. Thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>